welcome to the Sports Law Podcast brought to you by Northridge LLP and SRI, Sports Recruitment International. We are very pleased to be about to be joined by uh, two heavyweights of the world of fan engagement, Tim Godfrey, the Chief Marketing Officer of SailGP, and Daniel Kirshner, the CEO and co-founder of Greenfly. Um, but just before we dive into our guests and ask them about what it takes to engage with fans and uh, how to use technology to do that in the best way, uh, we welcome the founder, CEO, brainchild, and general all-round uh, grandee of Sportsloft, Charlie Greenwood. Charlie, welcome to your own podcast. Uh, thank you, Andy. You missed out Chief um, uh, Bottle Washer as well, so I think uh, just to get, get all the titles then. That's the thing with a startup. You got to wind up doing everything, don't you? As I'm sure, as I'm sure, a lot of people in the in the tech startup world know. But um, listen, as we as we jump into this, obviously, fan engagement during this COVID period has been an absolute nightmare, um, and a lot of people have actually had to rely on their teams and athletes and uh, and kind of wider network to be able to continue to engage with fans. Um, and that's something that Greenfly provide an excellent solution to. So, what was it that that attracted you to them um, to welcome them into the sports law family? Well, I mean, Greenfly was a company that uh, I'd known about since they were on the LA Dodgers program going back to what, to probably 2016, 2017. And I've been very aware of their progression with both Major League Baseball and NBA in the, in the US. And they were starting to have a lot of more conversations uh, with a lot more of the football organizations in Europe uh, as well. At the start of this year, I was in New York and met up with some of the Greenfly team, and then we caught up again when Daniel, uh, Greenfly CEO, was a, was in London. And it was a space where I'd seen a number of companies, but Greenfly has always had a robustness and scalability that I just wasn't seeing elsewhere. Um, plus their traction in the US, uh, the case studies that they had, the way that the athletes were using it, it was very attractive. Um, and it also felt like there was a company there that had significant growth potential still on top of what they'd already achieved. And I think that for that for us was, uh, yeah, certainly an appealing part. Since they came into Sportsloft, uh, the reaction from sports organisations that we've introduced them to has been excellent. Uh, and we're starting to see the case studies, as with someone like Paris Saint-Germain, where the athletes are really embracing the technology uh, that Greenfly are providing. And I think that's a really key piece because... You know, you really need the athletes to buy into what they're doing. And if you don't get that, then it's not going to fly. But it really feels that they're getting that buy-in. I think also at a broader level, the whole idea of athlete-created and distributed content is something that fits really well with where we are at Sportsloft and where we sit at the intersection of that sort of sports technology and media piece. So it felt like a very smart fit. Mm -hmm. And of course, the uh, the co-founder of uh, Greenfly is Sean Green, who used to play for the Mets. And uh, and as a long-suffering Mets fan, that uh, that was particularly exciting for me to uh, to connect with them and speak to them. Um, but Charlie, before we uh, bring in our guests, uh, what what have you seen from um, fan engagement and from uh, the development of how? teams and rights holders are approaching fan engagement during this lockdown period that's uh, that's that's been impressive well i think the immediate way that um almost the, the very recent way that people have really realized the importance of fan engagement because you know, people are not in the stadiums you've got to engage with people who are at home and then i think when you look at the different types of content that has been um produced the ways that people have been experimenting with different approaches, but also I think starting to realize the sort of content that is valuable, that people want to engage with, and not just content for content's sake uh, as well. I think that's been most impressive. And I think now, especially as you're seeing more and more um, emphasis from the commercial teams saying, look, we need assets that we can use with our sponsors. Mm. Well, where do you go to do that? Because if you can't activate in the stadium, People have been turning to digital and they've been turning to content and creating and creative ways of uh, making that content as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, enough of us waffling on about it. Let's hear from the experts and bring in our guests. Um, thank you, Charlie. And uh, I'd now like to welcome Daniel Kirshner from Greenfly. 
Good to be here. Daniel, I'll start with you. Um, you guys uh, have a great piece of technology that helps athletes uh, and sports uh, rights holders combine their, uh, their media and therefore be able to reach a much bigger audience in a very authentic way. But give me a bit of background. How did this start? Where did you guys come up with the idea? And what is it that you guys do on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, no, thank you for the question. Um, so Greenfly actually started uh, with my uh, co-founder, uh, Sean Green. The, the name's actually a, a pun on both his last name and a slang term in baseball for a favor. Um, so it kind of came together well. Uh, but nice. he, he, uh, he played Major League Baseball for, uh, for 15 years. And after he retired, um, he was often in situations where he was being contacted by you know, teams that he had played with, people that wanted to talk to him, people that wanted to, to uh, get him to comment on something. And um, so he was thinking a lot about the interplay uh, between athletes and organizations and, you know, social media really, when he retired, uh, you know, was really in its infancy, uh, barely existed. Um, but over, over the several years after that point, um, it became increasingly common. And he realized that basically every athlete at that point had effectively a production studio in their pocket. And, uh, and often the best way to be able to respond, interact with an organization could be through the technology. It was actually a particular event that happened where somebody tied a record of his. There was an effort to get a, uh, a comment from him. He ended up uh, filming it on his phone and sending it back. And it was, I think, used in, in broadcast. And there was just a lot of complexity around that interaction. And he said, wouldn't it be awesome if there was a very simple communication system that connected athletes directly? Uh, with, at that point, he was thinking media organizations, but ultimately, you know, teams and leagues uh, as well. And, and if you could just sort of automate and facilitate that and scale that interaction, that would be something that would be really powerful. And so he started working on that on his own. Uh, we're first cousins. I had moved out to L.A. Uh, we were in the same city for the first time since our childhood to be head of corporate affairs at Activision Blizzard, the video game company. So we were just spending a lot of time together uh, hanging out. And uh, he was talking about what he was working on and building a prototype. Uh, and uh, I got increasingly excited about it and uh, quit my job. And we built the company together. Amazing. Well on the way to being a unicorn. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're very excited about that. Um, so, Tim, uh, you are chief marketing officer of, of Sale GP, the, uh, the, biggest, uh, the biggest and most exciting new player in the, uh, in the world of um, uh, city, city water sports and sailing. Uh, tell us a little bit about how Sale GP has come around and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and then... We'll dive into how you're using technology to engage with with fans. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure how I'm going to beat Daniel's story there. That's um, that's pretty awesome. Um, but no, listen. So Cell GP was launched in, well, it was kind of founded in 2018 by Larry Ellison and Sir Russell Coots, who are obviously very synonymous with with the sport of sailing. And you know, I think they saw an opportunity to create a brand new global sailing competition that was annual, um, that was the pinnacle of the sport. Um, that was focused on the fans, but but crucially was economically and commercially appealing to sponsors, broadcasters, and host cities. So I guess I guess in a nutshell, you know, this format of sailing that CellGP has created didn't exist before. Um, so I think you know together they saw an opportunity to to really build a new sport from the ground up. Um, I, I think the other most important thing is that they saw an opportunity to accelerate a change towards a cleaner future through through our inherent link to nature. So as you've seen, our you know our tagline is Cell GP powered by nature. So we've got deep roots in you know in lots of different sustainable principles. And you know by 2025 we we want to be um, we want to be net zero carbon. Um, so. So there's lots of different elements there that that I guess they saw there was a big gap in the market. Um, so and that, and that's where CellGP was born, and we had our first event in February in 2019 in Sydney, um, and and here we are today. So so yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a pretty awesome um, kind of start to the journey, um, and obviously it's been halted due to coronavirus. Of course, of course, which has created a. Uh, uh, an absolute necessity for you guys and everybody within the sports industry to be able to engage with fans in a new and innovative way, right? Because you don't uh, have absolutely. those live events or, you know, you haven't had those live events up until recently in some cases to be able to continue pumping out the highlights and the usual content that, uh, that, that um, 
rights holders have always relied on. But let's let's kind of start start to dive into it by understanding kind of how uh, what your priorities are, Tim. So so sure. who who are the sale GP fans, and how do you try to engage them on a quote unquote regular basis? So you had a full season sure. without COVID. Like who sure. are the fans, and how do you engage with them through technology? Sure. I mean, I think in the first season, which started in Sydney, as I said, in, in 2019, you know, we, we did five events um, and we saw an audience, a total cumulative audience of around 316 million across broadcast and digital and social, which was, you know, an incredible achievement. And I think what we saw certainly across digital, you know, was was a very avid sailing fan, kind of seeing a format and a competition that they kind of expected to be in the market, but wasn't. Um, Obviously they had the America's Mm. Cup, um, which came around, you know, every three or four years, but there was nothing on an annual basis. So, so I think very quickly we attracted the traditional sailing fan, um, which obviously wasn't a surprise, but I think what we started to see across social was a much younger demographic coming across. And, you know, would that be water sport, the water sports demographic or the racing demographic? Um, we definitely started to see quite a diverse range um, of, of audience across our social channels, albeit on broadcast was still fairly traditional. Um, so, so I think our focus in the first year was really building out our channels and our platforms, um, focusing on, you know, what is our tone of voice? How are we going to be different in the market? Um, and, and really trying to change perceptions of of sailing you know it, it has had a, a slightly negative connotation in certain in certain markets um so we want to be more inclusive really as as being as being elitist well, or yeah or I, I i think i think some of the um some of the the, the traits of uh, of sailing and, and the sailing market are quite exclusive um and it's hard to participate mm. in the barriers to entry are quite high um, so we kind of wanted to shift that. And, you know, one of our early sayings was redefining sailing. Um, and we, we did want to push the boundaries of what was possible across technology and entertainment and, and really bringing the kind of inshore kind of stadium atmosphere to the sport. Um, but, but absolutely central to our growth was all about how do we attract and how do we um, engage that digital audience? So we want to be dynamic. We want to be personality led. And ultimately, we need to make fans care about the athletes and care about their personalities and their characters and, and really make them personable. Um, and, and, and I don't think that's been done before in the sport of sailing. So, so in short, we absolutely need to focus on that sailing market. But at the same time, almost in parallel, if the sport is going to grow, we need to get out of our own ecosystem. So we need to, you know, whether it's water sports and racing, which are the other big buckets that we that we kind of think are quite interesting to us at the moment, um, in order to mm. really make this a mass participation event, um, we need to really focus on bringing the sport to a new demographic. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the inherent challenge for for some rights holders, isn't it? In that that as 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 an organization or as a championship or as a league um you have people who are who are fans of the league but because they're fans of something specific they're fans of a team or they're fans of a player or they're fans of the sport right so how does a league manage to build that fan base and interact with it um on its own merits it's almost impossible you have to be able to use the athletes and the teams and the logos sure. and the brands right like sure. so, absolutely so, so how do you guys go about doing that well, well if i look at the you know if i look at our kind of our kind of hard stats across our our league and our teams and the athletes you know jointly together the sum of all of our parts it's probably about a million a million followers across league mm. teams and athletes right so in comparison to other major leagues, you know, we know that is is still comparatively small, um, but we definitely understand that in order for us to be successful, we have to engage the athletes and we have to engage the teams. And that's really where, you know, Daniel's um, business and, and Daniel's technology really helps. Um, and until we did the deal with Daniel in July, we hadn't really found a way to do that seamlessly. Um, and you know, if you look at the the general sports fan on Instagram, nine out of the 10 accounts they follow are athletes, you know, so 
if there's one stat that tells you why this partnership works, it's it, it's probably that <laughs> um, in that, you know, mm. we, we need to be everywhere. We, we need. Um, and, and, you know, that's why Daniel's business has been so successful in the last, you know, five, five, six years. And, and it's really um, accelerated growth in across a lot of businesses. Mm. So, Daniel, that's I mean, that's a that's yeah. a really interesting point that Tim's make, Tim makes. And I'm, I'm fascinated to hear more about it because. Obviously, you guys came out of, as you said, your um, uh, uh, your cousin's professional career, and I love I love that line about having a production studio in your pocket. It's just yeah. it's it's such a fantastic line. But how how do you really facilitate that um, connection? How do you help rights holders to really um, engage more with their with their social media? And 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 then. Well, I'll ask you that, and then I have something else that I want to I want to come back to about how athletes are starting to engage themselves as seeing themselves as a brand and and kind of yeah. managing their own social. Yeah, well, you know, I think I mean Tim made so many good points in terms of how they're thinking about sales GP and how they're thinking about connecting. When you really when you think about a, a league or a sport, um, it's very important to sort of have the whole inner ecosystem integrated in a way where you're really able to touch and connect with fans on all these different levels. And as Tim pointed out, people are not just following a team or, or certainly not just following a league generally, but a lot of that passion and that excitement is really on, on the much more intimate scale of, of directly following the athletes and the personalities involved. And so, you know, one of the things that's happened over the last several years is when you look at almost any league uh, or, or team in the world, uh, the athletes drive a lot more engagement, activity and following than the league and the team. Even when you look at the biggest leagues, or even maybe especially when you look at the biggest leagues and the biggest teams in the world in terms of their overall footprint, there's still um, there's still much greater uh, in terms of the engagement and, and activity around the athletes themselves. And so <clears throat> I think Greenfly really comes out of that shift uh, where um, you know so much of that passion and engagement is on that kind of individual uh, scale. And so when you look at the rights holder, when you look at a league, when you look at an organization like CLGP, the question for them is, first of all, how to build and support that, because it's something that also you know, strengthens their relationships with their athletes and the sort of cohesion uh, you know, with the sports. So they want to support that, but they also want to you know, reap the rewards and the benefits of all that excitement and engagement. They don't want it to just be at the athlete level, but they want to make sure that it's connected you know, back to the league, back to the, the teams involved and, and everything else. And GreenFi is really, it's, it's a technology solution. It's a software solution. You know, we're not providing consulting services or, or things like that. We're really are, you know, sometimes we describe it unglamorously as the plumbing. I mean, we are the, what connects, uh, you know, all these different uh, participants together. And so, you know, if you want to get down to the nuts and bolts of it, there's a backend management system that's web-based. There's a mobile app that you know all the athletes have on on their phones um it can also be staff people in a position you know to capture social media content all the different sort of participants in its ecosystem they're all connected in a way where they can easily exchange content they can request content from each other they can send content to each other and so it, it's really bi-directional so when you think about you know uh, uh athletes in, in a league it's everything from giving them a feed of, of their highlights, their photos, all their, you know, all the kind of great content that the league or the rights holder is already creating. It's getting it to them quickly and easily so they can share it onto their social channels so that the league can see what they're sharing, can see how it's performing, can see what's performing well. So that's one direction. And then there's also the ability to request content from people to get them to tell their stories for league channels. You, know, you want to do an Instagram story on a league channel and you want to have five different athletes, you know, contribute segments. You can send out a simple brief through the platform. You can gather content through the platform. And so really what we do is we connect all these different participants together so they can communicate, they can collaborate. And, you know, really the vision is the, the whole is greater than the, the sum of the parts. And all this kind of engagement and excitement that you have at the individual level. And to be honest, the social media companies have sort of stacked the deck by prioritizing content from individuals over content from rights holders and organizations. So we're able to kind mm -hmm. of capture back a lot of that value and, uh, and, and make sure that everybody is, is, you know, participating and, and benefiting and all the incredible content that the rights holder is in a position to, to capture or provide is, is connecting in the most powerful way with the fan base. 
Yeah, and, and so uh, just, just to build this. on... Oh, go ahead, Tim. Sorry, sorry yeah, no, I was just going to say a, a really important point, which I found to be super important in this whole process, is that the league can still really retain editorial control to some extent. You know, in that they're still mm. directing the content. They're saying yes. what, you know, the, the copy of the post or when to post it or how long the post should be if it's a video. So, you know, centrally, you know, if, if SailGP as the league is looking to centralize its kind of production operation, this kind of technology is really crucial and, and, and it kind of slots in quite nicely. Um, and I've been quite surprised about, you know, I'll be checking the Instagram feed and oh, I've just seen that, you know, one of our athletes has posted one of the, one of our photos, you know. And that would genuinely wouldn't have happened before because it's not seamless. Where do they go to get our photo shelter? They have to, you know, log yeah. on, go and download something. And, you know, it's the seamless nature of integrating a bit of software into your overall workflow whilst retaining editorial control to me is, is the real selling point of this. Um, and also how, you know, the athletes can easily integrate it into their own lives. So, so have you have you come across um, either of you um, a challenge with uh, sort of athletes wanting to create content for themselves as a brand and not wanting to share it with a league or a team or something like that? Because I would imagine that as as athletes become more sophisticated or at the top echelon, some of yeah. the biggest athletes, they won't they they, they will want to retain certain rights or retain certain individual rights. How do you balance that? challenge yeah, in terms of using yeah. these image rights that are so valuable yeah that's super tough i mean we had um we had an example last year when um sorry the start of this year before sydney in in uh, in february when we launched our kind of global marketing campaign you know and and if we'd had green fly at that point it would have been way better and way more seamless but mm -hmm. we expected all of the athletes to get behind this single video and post it and repost it and share it um, and that actually wasn't the case. And um, there, there are good reasons behind that in that the certain um, platform and individual that maybe didn't feel like he wanted to post it. His, it's his own prerogative, by the way, um, that he felt the video didn't fit with his audience on that platform. So there's, I think there is always going to be a certain challenge with certain videos and certain things that the league wants the athlete to be involved in. Um, and sometimes it works and sometimes it's not going to work. And, and ultimately the league then has to respect that because that individual platform is kind of, you know, that's, that's their business. Right. Um, so there's a, there's a balancing act. And I think as, as time goes on, I think the athletes, whichever league that you're participating in will understand the value of co-promoting um, the league. Mm, yeah. Very interesting. And that kind of, that kind of then leads on to, to, to another, um, uh, topic doesn't it which is that different athletes will have different audiences following them right because of what they represent the uh, uh the ambassadorships that they have the uh their age very simply the sport that they play uh, the way that they play um how how much uh how much tim have you guys put uh thought into um what your sailors who they are and what they are and what they represent and potentially trying to tailor content and then Daniel, what, what, what do you see in terms of the rights holders that you work with? How, how sophisticated are they getting at actually starting to target different audiences through their athletes um, separately? So to answer that first before Daniel, I, I, I think what we've tried to do with our athletes and how we ask them to promote is that we've focused on our key athletes in the organization. So there's probably four, maximum five, that we really want to build up and really want to be seen as heroes. And we want them to be able mm. to walk down the street in their local market and be recognized. So that's the first thing in that we, we don't want to spread ourselves too thinly in that we've got a finite amount of resource and we need to promote and hero certain individuals. Um, we haven't gone down the route yet of personalizing content apart from when they create that content natively within their own app or within their own phone. So when it's kind of raw and direct from one of our athletes, um, but mm -hmm. we try to keep it quite um, relaxed in that we'll ask them to promote and share our race highlights. The one thing that we do want to look into is creating personalized race highlights. So Tom Slings being Australia, who's the helm and CEO of Team uh, Cell GP Australia is, okay, can we 
do a mini highlights package for him that's purely focused on him. Um, so when he arrives at the um, at the event, when he's in the changing room, obviously his highlights with the team on the water, and then what he does after. So is there something that we can do there? Because then that's very relevant to him and his audience. Hmm. Very, it makes makes a lot of sense. And Daniel, what what are you seeing in terms of? Because you obviously work with a lot of rights holders, a lot of teams. What what, what are you seeing at that level? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, I, I think you know one of the things that's interesting about uh, about a platform like ours is the ability to, to balance the the kind of you know style and communication of the of the rights holder and of the organization and and the preferences of the of the athletes and trying to find a, a balance that kind of you know serves the needs of both really, really well. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I think that um, there are a couple different ways of going about it. So sometimes Greenfly is used to provide a lot of options. So, you know, you can do a kind of, you can ingest from all the content point in from event, make it organized, uh, routable, searchable, and give people the ability to choose from a lot of selections. Um, and, and that's a very common approach. And then layered on top of that, there'll be much more targeted messaging. Uh, you know, so for example, you know, I'll give you a random example. You know, uh, since you guys are in the UK, when you know MLB had their UK games last year, you know they developed these individual trailers for all of their athletes to share in order to promote, you know, the fact that they were playing in in London. So that would be an example where they actually go in and produce a, a piece of content, you know, for a specific athlete to share on a specific channel, and that's mm. pretty common. But you know, that might happen a few times a season. And, you know, I, I think you know Tim's point is very interesting about activating these sort of five core athletes and if you're really focused on you know these these kind of hero stories that you're trying to sell it, it may make trying to tell it may make sense to to produce individualized content for some of those people but then layered on top of that or, or sort of even below that is just the the kind of daily workflow of giving people access to all their highlight clips or you know all their photos from around events and things like that for them to constantly be sharing and promoting as they see fit on their social channels so I think we really see a, a, a mix and match approach. Um, uh, but certainly, you know, I, I think a, a, a rhythm comes about quite naturally between the athletes and, and the and the organization and the rights holder that, that really enables them to, to work very effectively and steadily. One thing that our platform also does is enables people to see what, you know, if you're providing people content to share, what are they actually sharing? You can go and you can mm. look at that. What are they posting? What are they choosing? If you're giving them selections and there's an ability to really refine based on that. Okay, you know, this this NBA player likes to you know share the photos of them walking into the arena each day in their suit before the game, and this one mm. likes to only share action shots. You know what I mean? Or you know to in in the you know in the sailing context, you see lots of different examples like that as well. And so you know I think there's an ability to really to really look at what the platform is is telling you and and really continue to refine. But the idea is, you know, as Tim was saying earlier. Uh, you know, to really still give that real element of control and curation to the rights holder. They're the ones providing the content when it comes to sharing or requesting the content when they're, when they're asking people to create content. And so they have, they're really in the driver's seat when it comes to deciding like what kinds of stories they want to tell. And, mm. um, you know, it's still collaborative with the athletes, but they have a lot of control over it. You know, yeah, people I'd are agree. going to be able to share what's given to them and they're only going to create what's requested of them. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd right. agree. And, and, and just to build on that as well, Daniel, in the, you know, ultimately you want it to be authentic. And I think, you know, the lesson that, that we learned with this marketing campaign that went out um, in February was that almost actually the fact that they didn't want to post it is kind of a good thing. You know, you, you kind of, that's, that's quite bold, but I think it's actually quite a big positive in that they know their audience um, and they mm. know what they'll like and dislike. So actually in, in many ways, in hindsight, I'm kind of like, okay, that's, that's quite a good move, you know, because it might've had a negative impact, you know, at the time you're like, oh, hang on a sec, you know, we as the league, we want you to promote that. Um, but in many ways, looking at how things are developing in, you know, in, in social and content, you know, they want it to be authentic and, and ultimately the league benefits if, if the content is more authentic across the, the teams and the athletes. Yeah. And speaking of authentic content, we've obviously been super short of it for the past, uh, however many, you know, six months now, six since, months. Uh, yeah. since lockdown, you know, since lockdown began worldwide. Uh, Tim, what have you guys been doing, um, whether with the athletes or the teams or uh, general stuff in order to keep that fan engagement high and continuing sure. to provide, 
content, interest, engagement for the people who are following you so that when the world comes back to rights, there will be people who still want to want to hear from you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's been probably two main areas we focused on or three main areas we focused on. One would be our kind of partners. So our, our sponsorship agreements at the moment with, with Oracle has allowed us to really create a quite innovative series called Oracle Winning Calls, which really is about aligning all of the live data at the races with the athletes who are using that live data from the Oracle Cloud and doing a rewatch series. So across every single team, taking the data that was um, created uh, in real time at the Sydney Cell GP event in February and replaying that whilst having the data analyst and the athlete talking about how they've made certain decisions. So we've kind of, it's a super editorial show, but in partnership with a partner. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's allowed us to kind of create a series of, um, a series of uh, live events and also a series of kind of VOD, VOD pieces from that. So that's kind of, that's definitely helped things and, it, and it's helped things, um, mm-hmm. it helped keep, keep engagement high. Um, obviously gaming, you know, we have our ESL GP platform, which has been super successful um, in partnership with Virtual Regatta. And then, you know, the, the content directly from the athletes. So, so I think there was a period where, you know, everyone was doing Instagram Q&As and in, in, in Instagram Lives. And we kind of, we definitely played that game as well. Um, so it's really been, been about activating the athletes as best as we can, whilst then using our partners, using existing assets like our gaming platform. Um, and also then tapping into the archive, you know, and, and actually it's been quite difficult for us because we're only six events old. So um, we're not a FIFA or World Rugby or Six Nations where you have so much archive you can call on. You can create thousands of clips. You know, we, we've had to be um, pretty, uh, pretty creative in, um, in what we do. And, and also it's not all just about video. You know, we found that images and kind of static um static gifs or, or or animations and engaging graphics work quite well as well um but even you know since i was looking at some of the data earlier you know since april the first we've seen a 20 percent growth across all of our social channels in terms of followers um we've gained forty thousand new followers in this time <laughs> which you know i i was super surprised about um and over a hundred thousand video engagements and seven million video views so Although this has been a super challenging time, it's shown how technology and being creative and resourceful can actually can actually help, you know, um, even without live events. Mm, for sure. And if, if anybody has come out of this period as, as, as winners, I think it's 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 the athletes because they have there have been some incredibly creative and fun things that they've done to actually open the doors a little bit to their houses and their daily lives and things like that because there was no other way of engaging, right? So um, to my mind, and you guys might kick me if you think this is wrong, but I think there's been a much, uh, a a big opening of that dialogue between the rights holder and the athlete because suddenly the athletes not only are creating engaging content that's, that's, that's completely different from anything that they would do if they had like the live highlights, but they're also turning the other way to the rights holder, to the team to say, Hey, listen, share this. I'll do something for you. I'm sitting here bored out of my mind. I'm working out 12 hours a day at home, but there's nothing else going on. So share my stuff. Let's, let's, let's push it out there. Let's do something uh, creative and fun. Um, and have you guys, have you guys been seeing a lot of that uh, kind of with the, with the teams that you're working with? Yeah. I mean, the short answer is yes, absolutely. I mean, I think it's been, you know, and it's interesting on, on at everything you said is, is, is spot on. You know, first of all, I think there's been a, a willingness uh, of the athletes uh, to engage in a way. Um, you know, they they've had less to do, frankly. They've been more available. They've been thinking a lot uh, more about, um, you know, what their presence is outside of what they're just doing on the water or on the pitch or you know wh- mm-hmm. whatever it is. And and um, and so there's been a lot more engagement, a lot more uh, creativity, a lot more activity overall. I mean, just to give you some sense i mean for you know for us on our platform like the last few months have been by far the highest engagement that we've ever seen on our platform by actually a, a very significant margin i mean things are really through the roof in terms of how much uh you know people are are using it relying upon it activated on it and i think it just really speaks to um 
just just a new level of of activity engagement storytelling i mean tim talked about all the creative things that they're doing uh you know to to keep the audience engaged and the and the benefits that they're seeing by really seeing those audit those those uh those follower growth and engagement growth and things like that um so i think it, you know it's a time that spurred a lot of innovation and i think you know as play has returned obviously you know or activities of re- events have returned even without uh you know fans in the audience and things like that uh we're seeing a lot of that activity engagement you know continue it wasn't just a, a temporary thing it it's something that uh i think speaks mm-hmm. to a fundamental shift in in activity and approach and the understanding of what content is the understanding of what engagement is the understanding of of how fans are connected to a sport. I think that's all evolved during this period. And I think we'll continue to see a lot of, uh, for all the, the challenges and, and, and difficulties and, and horrible things about this period, I, I think those benefits will continue and, and, and continue to build coming out of this as well. Mm. And and Tim, I'm, I'm curious because sailors, um, or I guess the perception is that sailors are um, uh, more, uh, sophisticated, perhaps, than some other athletes uh, in terms of how they've grown up, their understanding of technology, et cetera, et cetera. How how much do your athletes see themselves as brands and and see the benefits of social media, but also being able to connect directly with the fans and with the leagues, uh, uh, the league's fans too? Is is this something that you need to coach them on? Is it something that they kind of have naturally? I think. You know, um, I think it's a, a an education process as as much as a, a of a creative process. Um, in that, we as the league need to tell them what the vision is. You know, how how do we want them to be involved in in the league going forward from a kind of media s- strategy perspective? Um, some really embrace it. Others, um, I've got other things to do. You know, uh, <laughs> everyone is fairly busy, and I, and I think it it takes. It takes a lot of time to get it right. You know, I mean, if you look at the, you know, if we want athletes to have a similar footprint to the league or even more, then that needs resource. You know, th- these things don't just happen overnight and you need to have the right framework behind a certain athlete to make sure that their brand um, is slick and um, has the right messaging, has the right content. I mean, if you look at some of the biggest athletes on on social from Ronaldo to Lewis Hamilton, um, to Neymar, you know, you could name, you could go on forever. You know, th- these guys have, you know, so many people behind their own individual presence online. So, so I think it's mm. process. You know, we're not going to get there overnight. Um, I- I've been super impressed with our our group of athletes, um, and as a league, you know, we're very open with the content that we want to share to them. So that obviously helps. Um, and I think some of them are starting to to really see the benefits of that. You know, um, if if you as a personal brand can sit in front of a partner or a sponsor or um, a potential investor and say, I've got 100,000 Instagram, I've got 2 million Facebook, you know, that's going to be a benefit. Um, it's going to benefit them individually, mm. but it's going to benefit the league. So again, I think Daniel made a good point earlier. You've got to think about these things as as the sum of all of their parts. And it's never just... You know, we never really go into a pitch just talking about the league. You know, you, you've got to look at it um, more holistically than that. And, and we have to we have to build together. I mean, sometimes certain messages are actually better coming from the athletes than they are coming from the league. You know, um, and I think you need to choose those moments quite wisely. Um, but, it you know, it depends what audience you want to reach. You know, we, we obviously know that all of our, you know, let's call them the five key athletes that we want to focus on they're all at the top of their sport. They're at the pinnacle of their, their, their game. And we know that they're going to have a big audience of sailing fans. So where are we going to direct all of our attention? You know, so there's some quick wins, absolutely. And there's some of our athletes that, you know, that cross over into water sports and um, extreme sports. So again, it's about how do we tap into certain athletes' own audiences and how does that then in turn circle back to help the league? So then give us an idea of what, what kinds of initiatives, whether it's specific content or competitions or uh, digital, digital challenges, what, what sort of initiatives have you found work best in terms of engaging the fans? Um, 
And I guess, I guess that has two, I mean, I, I guess that question always depends on what your objective, right? Is it number sure. of views or is it engagement, right? It's, uh, so, so give us a bit of a flavor of that. I think what we found um, in terms of what works with the athletes, do you mean? Whether, whether it's athletes or general, general initiatives that you guys have, um, have undertaken for fan engagement. You. Got, got you. I, I think our gaming proposition has been really amazing to, um, to engage with that avid sailing fan. Um, although mm -hmm. I, I think when we started off with our ESLGP campaign, we kind of, you know, we kind of thought, oh, this is going to reach a new audience and it's going to bring in people who, who don't know about sailing. Um, but what we've actually seen is that our ESLGP platform and partnership with Virtual Regatta has established ourselves within that sailing market. Um, so I think, I think that's, that, that's been one of our key initiatives this year. Um, I think the one that we're about, you know, I'm pretty excited um, about is our uh, kind of behind the scenes um, documentary series with a kind of complementary digital um, clip series that, that has just launched. Um, and I think the athletes are super excited about that in terms of, you know, showcasing mm -hmm. Cell GP in a way that has never been seen before. So it's kind of getting the buy-in. If you can get the buy-in from the athletes on the story and the narrative you want to tell, ultimately you're then going to cre create great content. So, you know, we released a trailer um, last week called Cell GP Racing on the Edge, which is our, our, our title for the new documentary series. And you've got some great content in there. And I think, I think that type of behind the scenes, raw, authentic, direct from the athletes is going to, is going to win, you know, um, and not the kind of more corporate um, messaging or, or, or PR that, that you may see um in in some quarters so so i think that that's been really great for us um and you know to put to put it simply you know what has worked very well is again utilizing the, the greenfly platform is the sharing of um of photos of images you know and that has mm. been way more successful than i could have could have imagined um and that's again the athletes having the access to that content at their fingertips in order to, to share you know and you know we we always talk about video and it's video first and absolutely that's still the number one um metric to to kind of move engagement but actually images have been good you know and, and have been better than i expected yeah really interesting and and uh, daniel what what are you guys seeing as kind of some of the most successful um or best practices in terms of uh, fan engagement and and, and whether it's social media or whether it's you know pictures like uh, like tim says what have you seen perform well what can what can people learn from your experience well i, I think one of the things that tim said was you know really the athletes having that content at their fingertips and sharing regularly i mean one of the things that's really important with engagement is cadence making mm. sure that you know, there's regular content flows and communications and that's been especially challenging and especially important during this disrupted period obviously uh, as well but having good content available at the fingertips of people in you know the community of the rights holders that are in a position to connect with fans and having them sharing that content regularly is is you know absolutely going to drive ongoing engagement enthusiasm awareness you know about upcoming events or you know accomplishments of the organization like every single thing that you want to accomplish is going to be driven by by having that cadence from all those people that are out there touching your audience mm -hmm. and so just to put you guys on the spot, because we always like to do that. Who, who have you seen during this lockdown period who's been doing a fantastic job of fan engagement and sort of being creative and, 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 and engaging, uh, keeping the fans engaged during this period? Daniel, I'll let you take that one first. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you guys no, are I, doing a I, great job in, in, <laughs> in, in challenging circumstances. It cannot be somebody on this podcast. It cannot be somebody on this podcast. Okay, okay, I'll, you know, I'll go I, first. I think we see, yeah, go ahead. Okay, I, I was yeah. going to say, I mean, listen, it's one of the biggest football clubs in the world, and it's Man United. I, I think they continually do a very good job across social. Mm. And again, it's nothing that, they kind of don't reinvent the wheel. They, they just create very engaging copy, very engaging animations. Um, and I think you see a lot of great work within football clubs when, you know, there's a new signing or when they release a new shirt or, you know, it's kind of simple announcements and they, they do them very, very well. Um, and you always see the engagement is, is huge. And obviously they've got 
you know, billions of fans globally. And I, I know we're talking about a different level there, but um, I, I would say they're lead, they're one of the leadings, leading companies at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would absolutely second that. And another, another, you know, to go with the football club, uh, you know, Pre Saint Germain, which is one of, of our partners, I think has done a really incredible job over the past few years of really building a, a massive international uh, fan base, really keeping players really engaged. I think during the Champions League run that they just had, um, you know, I, I mean, I know obviously from a green flag perspective, they're putting out a tremendous amount of content and getting like Neymar posting daily obviously has enormous benefits for an organization like that. Um, there's a recent uh, Harvard Business School uh, case study on PSG and, and their, how they're building a fan audience. And it talked about that for their sponsors, the, uh, of course, you know, the Jersey sponsors that the biggest surprise for them was they were getting double the value they had projected based on uh, athletes sharing content, which mm-hmm. again, just, I think really underscores, obviously we're proud that we were part of that, but it really underscores the, the value when it comes to like the sponsor value for a rights holder of, of really in, engaging that full community and getting those athletes really, really sharing a lot of great content. And I think you touch on the, on the key question to, to all of this, which is, you know, what, wh- how do you monetize it? Right. You, you've got, You've got fan engagement, you've got this audience beyond going out and selling the traditional sponsorship eyeballs approach. How do you actually turn that into concrete dollars on the bottom line? And, uh, uh, and I think that's, that's a challenge that everybody, um, uh, everybody is focused on. Tim, are, are, you guys, are you guys focused on this on a, on a bottom line basis or, or I should say a top line basis at this stage to drive revenue? Or are you focused on building an audience first and then monetizing? Yeah, I, I think it's the latter there. So, so I think we're really focused on, you know, we have a pretty robust five-year plan in place, which has um, aggressive growth targets, you know, across across the team, across the league, across how we're going to grow that ecosystem. So at the moment, it's absolutely about growth, but I think it would be naive to sit here to say we're not looking at how we monetize all our assets. So I think, you know, we we will look to understand, you know, what value are we creating in the market right now? You know, and I think lots of rights holders globally are, are trying to figure that out, certainly on the digital side. Um, so, so first for us, it's all about growth um, and it's about quick growth, but in the right areas. So we want to grow a valuable audience. Um, and, and as I said at the start, you know, I think we want to be the pinnacle of the sport. So we want to nail that sailing fan base. But then really, you know, that's, that's not where we stop. You know, that's really just the beginning for us um and we branch out and and really make this a a, a mass participation fan-centric proposition which um sponsors and partners you know are going to be interested in makes sense and daniel have you guys been roped into any any conversations with uh, either athletes or or rights holders about um monetization of these assets that are sitting on your platform yeah no absolutely i mean monetization is always i mean it, it, it is always in, in the background. And what's really interesting, I mean, obviously, when it comes to just like engagement and eyeballs and stuff, you know, ha- has monetizing impact because when sponsors, especially sponsors that are placing logos around events on jerseys, on things like that, they're very focused on what kind of audience that's reaching. So just anything that's going to build the fan base, build engagement, build stuff is ultimately going to going to be something. And, and especially, you know, with our platform being able to, to track that as well, it's really helpful when it comes to you know, signing a new partner or, or negotiating an extension of a deal and really being able to factor that in and, and really having that drive revenue. Um, certainly, there's also a lot of direct monetization of, of content. And in fact, our, our platform, you know, has two ways of sharing things. One is is just making stuff available for use, but the other is when it has to be very specific, it's got to have, you know, hashtag ad, it's got to have, you know, the brand name, you know, tagged, like all that kind of stuff. Like you can actually tee that up as well. And that's, that's obviously very important around very you know, particular kinds of campaigns, activations. Um, it's interesting because, you know, the rights holder is sometimes in the middle of that and sometimes not. It really depends on the league and the organization. And, and sometimes there's really separation there. But there's always that value around, you know, sponsor marks, uh, league sponsors, team sponsors, making sure that that stuff has visibility, making sure you're able to account for that visibility. And as a rights holder, making sure that you're, you're able to take credit for that visibility. And mm-hmm. uh, and bring that back to uh, to to the negotiating table when it comes to re-upping or signing a new partner. Sounds great. Well, listen, as I, as as we close here, I just want to uh, I just want to ask each of you look pro- project into the future and take a look at uh, 
where where your respective organizations are and where you think they'll be uh, they'll be in in ten years and uh, what uh, what can we expect from SailGP and Greenfly? I'll uh, I'll start with you, Tim. <laughs> uh, the, the the big question. Um, well, listen, you know, I I think we're in very different times right now. So so for us, the kind of the short to medium term is to you know get the championship back up and running and get a solid calendar in place. Um, longer term, you know, we want to be the pinnacle of the sport, you know, we, you know, and, and we want to accelerate change um, to a cleaner future through our clean energy solutions. So sustainability is absolutely central to the organization, um, as well as creating a, you know, the, the best in class sports entertainment product. Sounds to me like you might need some electric boats for your fleet. <laughs> Funny you should say that. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, Daniel? Look, we, we really want to be the tool that every organization uses to really connect all its different parts, exchange content, break down these content silos, and make sure they're activating the full community you know, across social and other digital digital channels. Right now, uh, sports is almost exactly half of our business. You know, Sports is very innovative. It has built-in community. It has built-in fan, fans. When we look at the next 10 years, I mean, the fastest-growing areas for us are actually outside of sports. They're really building upon the success and the learnings and the innovation that we see in sports, uh, you know, beyond that as well. And so this is a, a solution that we want to bring to every industry, to every corner of the globe. I mean, our ambitions are, you know, are, are, are endless here, and we're 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 very excited to to tackle this next this next uh, period of time. And 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 hopefully a healthy exit before those ten years are up. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Well, listen, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. That was uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful to speak with you uh, about this. Um, uh, to our listeners, if you enjoyed today, please uh, like and subscribe for more Sportsloft uh, content and podcasts. Uh, and it remains to say only thank you very much to Tim Godfrey from SailGP. Thank you very much, Yanni. Daniel it's been Kirchner a pleasure. From uh, Greenfly. We, uh, we look forward to, uh, to seeing where... Uh, where and how you guys will uh, will um, expand over the next few years. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks very much. Cheers. Mm-hmm.